0: If the truth were told tonight every person in this room who's 21 years of age or older has a burden and a heartache. I, could, I know these men on the platform and I, I promise you every man I know on this platform this man right over here all the way down the line has a reason to have a broken heart tonight. Not only do the adults in this room have broken hearts and burdens but so do the young people, the teenagers. I went to a high school basketball game. I go to one a year of our high school. A couple of years ago, and I sat behind the 12 men on our high school basketball team. And as they were sitting there, waiting for the game to start, and the coach was giving final instructions, I went down the line. The first boy, his mother, dying with cancer. The second boy, his father given birth or had fathered a child outside of wedlock. The next boy, his mother and dad, had just gotten a divorce. I went right down the line. Every single one of those basketball players had a broken heart that I knew about. Now, the honest truth is, if the truth were told tonight, and I'll not ask you to let me know, but the truth were told, I promise you that 95% of all the adults in this room tonight have a reason that you could weep. We laugh a lot. and That's good. We ought to. But I promise you that 95% of the people in this room tonight have a reason they could weep. I have burdens. You have burdens. Mine are perhaps no greater than yours, and yours perhaps no greater than mine. But all of us have burdens. Now God tells us what to do when these burdens come. He said when the, the battles come, and the problems come, and the heartaches come. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, the first thing I want you to do, I want you to fight. I want you to fight. He said, wrestle. It means fight until you vibrate. I want you to fight. Now he said, the day is going to come when you can't fight. He said, then I want you to withstand. Brother, you can take it, just withstand. But he said, the day is going to come you won't have the strength to withstand. He said, having done all, having wrestled, having withstood, having done all, he said, I want you to stand. But I said, dear God, what does the word stand mean here? May I tell you exactly what it means? It means don't change. Don't change. See, God knew that when the burdens come, we'd be tempted to change. And God knew that. And God knew that with the burdens, the problems, the heartaches, the trials, God knew that with that, there'd be a temptation to try something else. And God said, when the battles come, and they will, when the burdens come, and they will, when the heart is broken, and it will, He said, I want you to fight. I want you to fight, 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 He said. He said, when you can't fight anymore, He said, I want you to have the guts and gumption to withstand. But he said, when you can't stand anymore, he said, I want you, having done all, to stand.
1: Just stand. Just stand. You keep standing. You keep standing. No matter how rough the sea, you keep standing. And I'm not
0: talking about just water. You keep standing. No matter what you don't give up. No matter what you don't give up. No matter what you don't give up no matter what you don't give up.
2: Your body is the house of your spirit, your human spirit. But somebody else lives in your house. It is not a single occupancy house. What does that mean? Somebody else lives in here besides me. Who, pray tell, is in there with you. Greater, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, friend, what a statement. What a statement. What a statement. That means no matter what comes against you out here, the one who's in you is stronger, bigger, wiser greater
3: you, you, you're you coming with power Satan can sense it the demons of hell can sense it you, you, you're coming with power you know it's a lot of power and the word is growing in you growing in you growing in you So I always think about it. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than the confusion in the world, than the fear in the world, than the sickness in the world. Glory to God. Greater is he that is in me. Hallelujah. Take a look back through your life all the hell that you've been through, all the heartbreak that you've been through, all the fake friends, and the fake relatives, when people talked about you, all the hurdles you've overcome, all the challenges you've faced, he was with you. He hasn't taken you this far to leave you in this situation. God is for you. He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He has a future and a hope for you. This is not the end. Regardless of the situation you are going through, this is not the end. Psalms 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. This might be the time for you to cry. But believe
0: me, you will get through this. Keep your confidence in God. Troubles come, don't put God on trial every day. Don't try to figure out every day how good God is. God's good whether you can figure it out or not. When the troubles come and they will. And the heartaches come and they will. And life has gotten complicated for us. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. God looks to us tonight and says, I want you to fight. can't fight, we stand. We can't withstand having it all. Stand.
1: Just stand. Just stand. You keep standing. You keep standing. No matter how rough the
0: sea, you keep standing. And I'm not talking about just water. You keep standing. No matter what you don't give up. No matter what you don't give up. No matter what you don't give up no matter what you don't give up. He said pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. When troubles come, fight. If you can't fight, withstand. If you can't withstand, stand.
3: Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. What do you do when all hell breaks loose in your life? You turn to 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Casting all your cares upon him. For he careth for you. He cares for you. The whole world can be against you. But he cares for you. In the situation you are standing in right now. He is right next to you. Start believing the word of God and take it literally. He literally cares for you. He promised you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. That's a promise. Regardless of the situation you were going through, remember, be still and know that God is God. If this situation you were going through was going to stop you from reaching where you needed to go, God wouldn't allow it to happen if god allowed it to happen remember that all things work together for the good of them that love god when everyone left me all i had was jesus when i was in trouble all i had was jesus when the gates of hell came after me all i had was jesus during my lonely life, all i had was jesus when my husband left me all i had was jesus When my wife left me, all I had was Jesus. When the world left me, all I had was Jesus. When things were going wrong, all I had was Jesus. When I was in darkness, all I had was Jesus. When you felt heavy hearted, All you had was Jesus. When you was on your knees, All you had was Jesus. When you felt like giving up, All you had was Jesus. When you were in pain, All you had was Jesus when your past came back to haunt you all you had was Jesus he's all I've ever had he's all you've ever had and he's all that you will ever need be still and know God is God he promised you I promise I won't leave you I promise I won't forsake you I promise I'll fight for you in your situation you are not alone Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. The same God that delivered the children of Israel is the same God that will deliver you in your situation. The same God of Genesis is the same God that walks with you each and every day. The same God that was with David when he fought Goliath is the same God that is with you. The same force that was behind David's slingshot
2: is the same force that is with you this day.
0: Talking to folks tonight the Trials of life have broken your spirit You're bitter against God tonight You don't think God's treated you right I don't think God's treated me right either But I think God knows more about it than I do So I'm going to believe what He thinks Instead of what I think Get back to your confidence in Him The battles will come The troubles will come Heartaches will come It'll be more some night after night as mine is. And as yours is often. God says, when the time comes, fight all you can. And you can't fight anymore, He said, withstand. You can't withstand, stand.
1: Hallelujah. Isn't that a great promise? Now that was some preaching. Amen? To quit or not to quit is a series that I started last week that I want to continue to uh, go through. Could end next week, it could end the following week, I don't know. I just go as long as God says and then we stop, right? But the question today that I'm going to ask you, if you can't stand any longer... If you can't withstand any longer, do you feel like you're faltering? Where do you find your strength? And how do you muster up the strength? Do you become more of a warrior or a warrior? Many of us will worry. Many of us find ourselves in a place where, you know, we start to lose faith and we start to lose confidence and we start to lose who we are and st- then we, we start asking ourselves these questions. Should I just quit? It's not worth it. But I love what it says here in Psalms chapter 46, verses 1 through 3. And I hope that the Word of God can bring you comfort today as it has brought comfort to me. It says that God is our refuge and strength. Why? Because He's a very present help in times of trouble. He says, therefore, we will not fear. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to take and circle that. We will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, we will not fear. In Psalm 46 verse 10, here's what it says. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord is my strength. The Lord Is a strong and mighty tower. The Lord is my shepherd. And then in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6. Psalms chapter 4, verse 6. Why do I have Philippians 4, verse 6 on my paper? Did I send you the wrong one? There are many who say, who will show us any good, Lord... Lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season than their grain and wine increased. Listen closely. Before we get into Judges chapter 6 verses 25 through 20 through 32. Remember your first day of school. Did the teacher give you a test? I know we're talking about going back to school, the back to school thing and Uh, It just seems like July comes and August is here among us again, isn't it? It's crazy. I remember when we used to start school after Labor Day. So you felt like you had this long period of time. Now the kids are out of school and they're back in school. When you had as many children as we did, and I say four quite a bit in today's day, but uh, we were kind of excited to have them start back to school. Do you guys know that uh, I did a back-to-school video and it went viral? We were on the TV, yep. We did a back-to-school video. I did it one time. It's just kind of a little bit of a joke. And uh, this wasn't in my message, but I just thought I'd throw it in there because this is kind of what I do. And uh, I'm going down this trail, but I'll get back to you. Uh, so we decided to get back, go, you know, do this back-to-school video. We didn't realize that it would go viral like it did, so we were on the news out in Colorado. We were in England, and we were all over the place. I don't know, millions and millions and millions of views. And if you want to see it, I think it says... uh what's it labeled? The tacket's back to school video. And so at the last minute, I decided to do something crazy because that's kind of who I am. And I said, hey, let's do this. So we videotaped a few clips. And every year as the kids would go back to school, I would do things like as the bus was running up the hill, I was standing there waving and, you know, I would run and kick my heels up in the air. And, you know, then it would show Becky and I sitting there having some tea and lemonade on the porch. So I just kind of made it fun, right? Because it was back to school. Well, I, um, I thought, well, this is Uh, Let's do something a little different. So we kind of set it up, and it was like last minute. And we went from, you know, watching the kids go down the road, and, you know, then we were, uh, I was in my work clothes like I was going to work. You know, I had my, my dress clothes on, and the next thing you know, you see me, I'm jumping into our pool with my dress clothes on. And then Becky and I are sitting there, and next thing you know, we've got wigs on, and we've done all this crazy stuff, but it was fun to be on the news out in Colorado. They're like, would you guys think your video would ever go viral? I said, no. We added a few pictures to it. It was just a slide thing, so if you ever want to YouTube it, you can see it. But I had my 30 seconds of fame back then. But, you know, we all talk about going back to school and how we anticipate the kids going. Moms get breaks. Dads get breaks. Everybody gets breaks. But, you know, it's kind of a bittersweet thing, isn't it? You love the kids being home, and yet... It's nice to have that, that quiet time and being alone. But I remember going back to school and, uh, you know, the first day of school, you, you used to kind of get acquainted with your teachers. It was You'd get your books, meet the teacher, catch up with friends, and it was probably one of the easiest days of the year, you know, to go back and, uh, for the school year. But I hated when I made it to high school. How many of you remember that? You ended up getting homework. We got assignments. I'm like, come on. I want to feel like I'm still, like, eight. Can we, like, color? Can we do some fun stuff here? I mean, but all these assignments, this was goodness. Help me ease into it. I needed a little, you know, ease into, because, you know, being a hyperactive child like I was, I, I didn't want to have to go there and, first day of school, get homework. They tortured us. I don't care what anybody says. But I think the same thing could be said about the first day on the job. Getting acquainted with your coworkers, touring the company, and going through orientation. There was nothing too difficult about that. And for some of you that have just made some recent jobs, you know what that's like. But today we're going to talk about Gideon. And I'm going to continue this series. Gideon's first day on the job, on the other hand, started with a bang, literally. His opening gambit was to smash the family's pagan altar. How did Gideon handle this assignment? And I won't go back to it because I preached on it last week. I'll give you a little bit of a summary due to time. Was he a warrior or was he a warrior? Did he worry about it or did he he come through strong and say, I'm going to tackle this? So let's find out as we continue our sermon series on the life of Gideon. We learned last week that Gideon lived 3,150 years ago during a time when the Israelites lived in fear of a nomadic people called the Midianites. For seven years, the Midianites raided Israel, forcing the people to hide in caves. Then the Israelites finally called to the Lord for help, and God sent the angel of the Lord to appoint Gideon to lead the charge against the Midianites. Before Gideon engaged the Midianites, however, there was another more serious enemy that needed to be dealt with. The Israelite idolatry. In fact, what's bizarre about this story is that Gideon's father owned and operated a local shrine to the Canaanite gods, Baal and Asherah. Hours after the angel of the Lord set Gideon apart for service, God commanded Gideon to destroy the shrine and in its place, build an altar to the Lord and sacrifice one of his father's bulls on it. What a first assignment. I can't even imagine he was a rookie. Police officer being sent to raid the headquarters of a drug king on the very first day of his job. Only Gideon's assignment was more difficult because he wasn't being sent to trash the shrine owned by some punk or somebody he didn't know. He was to destroy his own father's handiwork. Now, think about this. Now he's going in and he's going to destroy his own father's handiwork. What an what a awkward place to, to be in. To feel like you're going against what your father has requested of you. Or what your mother has requested of you. Yet you have to follow the Spirit of the Lord. So here's what it says in Judges chapter 6, verse 25. And you can follow with me. Now it came to pass... The same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. And therefore... On that day, he called him Jeroboam, saying, let Baal plead against him, because he has torn down his altar. Before we talk about how Gideon handled this task, let me make this observation. When this first assignment God was impressing upon Gideon... That Israel's greatest enemy was not Midian, but their own lack of spiritual integrity. Isn't it funny that he was telling them, here's your first task. However, it was their own spiritual integrity that he was wanting to deal with them. It was personal. Oh, Sure, the Midianites were not being very loving by raiding Israelite territory, but before the Israelites could complain about the Midianites' sin, they needed to come to terms with their own sins. In the same way, our greatest enemy is not the weak economy, the pimples, or the threat of cancer. Our greatest enemy is our own sinful nature that's so easily wooed by the devil in this world. And so while it's easy to rail against those who promote abortion or those who dump shopping carts into the river, God wants us first to take a good look and a hard look at ourselves and ask, Do I put God first in everything that I do? If someone were to get a hold of my schedule, they were to look into my phone, would it be obvious to them that I value highly God's Word and guard my time to speak to Him in prayer? If they were to look at my to-do list, would they conclude that I live for myself? Or do I live for others? And what if others could see my heart? Would they see it smile, or would they see it frown? As I do the dishes, as I mow the lawn, as I clean an account, or take out the garbage. How do I feel that people see me? And how does God see me? Oh, but God doesn't expect us to be fanatics about obeying Him, does He? Yes, He does. He expects us. To be fanatics about him. That's why he told Gideon to not only tear down the family altar of Baal. But to chop up the wooden isle of Asherah. And use it as firewood. There was to be no going back to the way life used to be. And I'm going to get to that here in a minute. And when did this command come? Not months or even days after Gideon calling out mere hours. uh, Not months or even days after Gideon's calling. But it was just mere In other words, Gideon was to make a complete and immediate break from the sinful past, living in fear instead of faith. Now, he looks back over his past, and he thinks, but, 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 But you you don't understand. And it's funny that when you look at the text here in Judges chapter 6, I find it very interesting that, it says that he was a man of valor. He was a warrior. Even the angel of the Lord said, there's peace upon you. Why is it that we don't, we don't believe who we are in Christ? We believe what others say. We bow down. So we're looking at two different idols, Baal and Asherah. So I thought I would look this up, and I thought it was very interesting that the idols that were there are distractions from Israel turning their heart back to God. Reminds me much of us. So many distractions that Satan will distract us constantly from keeping our eyes focused on Him. Constantly. Think about it. How many times have you gone to sit down and have your devotion and at the end of the day, maybe it was 12 hours later, maybe it was 9 hours later, you said, I didn't even have my devotion. How did I get distracted? It's because we've allowed idols to interfere with our daily, daily life. The question I'm going to ask you this morning is, do we do the same with our idols? Do we tear them down? Do we smash them? Those two idols were paganistic. Were sexual idols. Because they just didn't believe. Bring us rain. Bring us food. The Midianites keep taking everything. But it's much like our idols. We believe more in material things than we do in the supernatural, which is the spiritual things, which God is the one who pours out and who provides. But we have a tendency to believe on our own abilities when really, I wouldn't trust myself. Trust me. Or do we smash them to pieces or do we just put them in a storage so that they end up being retrieved and played with later? Many of us, for example, have a tendency to play a video game that glorifies violence and cheapens God's gift of sexuality. You know you shouldn't be playing that game. But here's the thing. You won't throw it away. It It keeps finding its way back into your game console over and over. And don't say you'll get around to tossing that game sometime this week or you'll do this or you'll do that. Do it as soon as you get home. Take care of it. God wants and deserves immediate and complete obedience. So did Gideon follow through with his opening gamut? He was nervous about it, and so he did the deed at night for fear of what his father and the townspeople would say. Gideon the warrior, you might surmise. I suppose, but keep in mind that these were the first faltering steps of faith, and if Gideon had only been a warrior, he would have done that deed in secret. But when I said warrior, it came out. I wanted to say if he'd been a warrior. It's kind of hard when you're trying to say warrior and warrior. All the R's. I went through speech therapy, so this is kind of difficult for me. And my the letter was R, so I had to practice R, mate. Okay. So anyhow, had he only been a warrior, he would have done his deed in secret, like a punk who smashes a bus shelter, then no one is around to catch him. As it was, Gideon res- recruited ten servants to help him. Obviously, Gideon wasn't trying to keep his identity a secret. And why should he? He had God's guarantee of safety. He had God's guarantee of safety. He asked really? Sure, he did. Remember, God had called Gideon to lead the Israelites against the Midianites. Since that, had happened, since that hadn't happened yet, God was obviously going to keep him safe from being lynched for tearing down the altar of Baal. But here's what happened. A lynching almost took place. When the men from the town found out Gideon had destroyed the shrine, they demanded that he be put to death. The irony, of course, is that according to the law of Moses, the townsmen themselves should have been put to death for even worshipping idols. He should have ended up on the altar instead of the bull that Gideon had slaughtered. The fact that God didn't send Gideon to kill them, he showed his love and patience with these people. But the townsmen didn't understand God's grace in this matter. Blinded by their superstition, they were frightened that if they didn't punish Gideon for what he had done, Baal would punish them. Now listen, but before the townsmen could lay their hands on Gideon, here's what took place. Gideon's father steps in. The owner of the shrine came to his rescue. And he argued that if Baal was truly a god, he would deal with Gideon himself. So there was no need for Baal's followers to help in the matter. Was Gideon's father now a follower of the true God? Is that why he spoke up for his son? We're not told, but you can imagine Gideon's surprise. If anyone should have punished Him for the trashing of the shrine and killing the bull, it should have been His only Father. But He honored His Heavenly Father first. It just goes to show that we should never underestimate what a clear witness for the truth can do. Let me repeat that. It just goes to show that we should never underestimate what a clear witness for the truth can do. Will your family ever believe what the Bible teaches about a six-day creation. I don't know, but that's no excuse to be quiet. Share the truth. Unleash the Holy Spirit on the skeptics. Only He can change their minds, and He might do so more quickly than you even imagined. Gideon's father managed to disperse the mob, but not only before they gave Gideon the nickname, Jerob Baal. That means something like, let Baal hit him with his best shot course bell never did because he's not a real god amen how encouraging this opening gamut must have been for gideon he learned firsthand that he didn't need to be a warrior but could be a warrior in carrying out god's commands if god was for him who could be against him listen church what's in you is greater than what's on you listen what's in you is greater than what's on you But while it was clear that God was there for Gideon, how can we be certain that He's there for us? Especially when you consider how we are usually more of a warrior than we are a warrior. God calls us to be bold witnesses of His Word. But we are anything but that. Our friends don't often give us nicknames like Jeroboam because we're often shy about our faith. Instead, they call us buddy. Or, hey, girlfriend. How you doing, brother? Because we seem to be just like them. Eager to party. Worried about paying our bills. Angry at authority. But we are not the world's buddy or we're not the world's girlfriend. We belong to the Lord. In fact, listen closely. In fact, baptism, God gave you a nickname of His own. And He called you forgiven. He called you loved. He called you empowered. And through baptism, the Holy Spirit swept away the idols that were once deeply rooted in our hearts and built its place and altar to the Lord. And church today, I want you to know as I, I wind things down, on this altar sits Jesus the one who sacrificed himself to pay for our sins. You see, no longer is Jesus dead. He doesn't lay on this throne and sing and hearing. He lives and rules both in our hearts and the world. He does that by witnessing to the skeptics through our words. He shows his love to the poor through our hands. And he brightens those gloomy days through our smiles with jesus at the helm what is there to worry about nothing not even death because it says here in matthew chapter 6 verse 34 therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own thing sufficient for the day is its own trouble don't worry about it be a warrior. understand that he is greater within us than the world has to offer us Church, you have the ability and you have the power. You have to believe it. Listen, what's on you is going to make you forget what's in you. I know, so let me repeat it to you again. What's on you is going to make you forget what's in you. And I know that I'm a child of the Most High God. I know that I have favor. I know that I'm a winner, not a whiner. I know that I'm a victor, not a victim. I know that I have favor and God loves me and I'm His kid. I'm His child. And I'm a prince to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Praise God. What's in me is Jesus. And that is so much greater than what man can put on us. Amen. So I'll say this in closing. Giddings opening gambit was pretty amazing. And I know I didn't go through points this morning, but I kind of wanted you to see the story of a man who was fearful was a warrior instead of a warrior and understanding that even the angel of the lord came to him and here's what he did and yet he still doubted and he was still fearful and i understand that at one point he saw the angel of the lord and he was fearful but it was after moses and the ten commandments that you know it says we're not to look on the face of the lord or death will come upon us but god started to show himself and he told him listen you're a mighty man of valor listen i'm bringing you peace God shows himself real to us. We all have God's stories. Yet we forget, and we forget quickly, what God has done and how he manifested himself to us. Jesus is alive. The church is alive. And we have a great responsibility to be alive. Listen, like the rookie ball player who hits a grand slam on his first at bat, In the majors, Gideon had a smash hit when he leveled his father's shrine. But how did Gideon do on his sequent at bats? What did he do? Would he continue to be a warrior or revert back to the warrior he once was? But I'm going to ask you this morning an important question What about this week? How are you going to face this week? Are you going to say, I'm going to worry about everything, or I'm going to be a child, I'm going to be a soldier, I'm going to put on the whole armor of God that I might be able to stand against the ways of the devil. Listen, he hates your guts, but God loves you greater, and he stretched out his arms and he died for you. That's the redemptive power that we have in Jesus Christ. It's because the blood of the Lamb that was slain for us.
0: We have to believe
1: that say, yes, it is well with my soul. Will you meet your adversity head-on as the Lord's warrior? For many of us, you could say, yes. For Jesus' death and resurrection proves that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Sure, the world, our sinful nature and the devil himself are against us, but they will not prevail, church. That will not prevail because Jesus, Sits at the right hand of the Father. And we still have victory over that. The warrior of God, Jesus, keeps forgiving us when we fall into our worrying ways. That forgiving love will continue to infuse us with the backbone to live as the Lord's warriors. Eager to do the Lord's will completely and immediately to the benefit of those around us. I want to leave you with a scripture today. It says in Romans chapter 8, verses 31, and I want to read the next few verses with you. And I want us to leave today thinking about this. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes what? Intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or even sword? For your sake we are killed all day long. For we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we've been made more than conquerors through him. Who loved us? For it says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? So what's on you is going to make you forget about what's in you. Greater is he than it is in me Than he that's in this world Let's say that together Greater is he that is in me Than he that's in this world Let's rise to our feet as we pray today Father we thank you that Lord We can trust in you We believe in you And Lord no matter what happens No matter what comes our way Lord we know that the powers of hell do not have control over us and that father that you are here to vindicate for us to fight for us lord we thank you for your love we thank you for your grace we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your protection father we thank you that even in gideon's life maybe there was a lot that was said today father but i come to you today to say lord one thing i learned is that i've got to cast all my care on you for you care for us When I'm tired, help me to withstand. And when I'm tired, help me to stand. God, I pray that for those that are in this room, maybe here today, the the burdens that they're dealing with, the chains that have kept them down, when they're tired, help them to withstand. When they're tired, help them to stand. And much like Gideon, when he's fearful, even though he tore down those idols, help him to withstand. And even though he might have felt that what he was doing might have disappointed his father, Lord, you helped him to stand. So, Father, today I pray that you'll help each and every one of us to withstand, to stand tall, to stand strong. God, I know I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I know I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. I know that in my life I've made mistakes. And Lord, I've gotten tired. But Lord, I don't want to quit. I don't want to be a quitter. But help me to withstand. Give me the strength to stand. You said in Romans, in all these things, in everything, we've been made more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us who died for us Lord today move and stir within the hearts of your people and help us Father to not quit to not be a warrior but be a warrior help us daily to put on your armor to withstand against the schemes and the scams of Satan. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' holy name.